Aaron, Holly, Wayne, and Andrew. I'm Aaron. This is Paul. This is Wayne. And I am Andrew. Guys, we now live in a world where Marvel has announced a, a, a cast for the Fantastic Four. Yeah, we talked a little bit about it in the last episode. Um, you know, yeah, well, we, we had talked rumors, about Pedro, right? Pedro yeah. Pascal. Yeah, we had rumors about Pedro Pascal at that time, but now it is confirmed. We've got Pedro and uh, the rest of the, uh, the the family of four uh, cast, and and I think I'm mostly happy about it. Yeah, I don't know these people, but uh, <laughs> I I have no problem with how they look. Well, let's get everyone <laughs> caught up. So obviously we talked about how Pedro Pascal will be uh, Mr. Fantastic. Mm-hmm. In, in yeah, the that's Dr. Fantastic. Sorry. I don't know that he's ever gone by <laughs> Dr. Fantastic. <laughs> I just, you know, didn't want to didn't want to neglect all of his very many PhDs. <laughs> Dr. Fantastic PhD. Um, so obviously we, 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 we talked about Pedro Pascal. Um, we've also got Vanessa Kirby who is um, in the more recent Fantastic Four movies playing Mrs. Fantastic, or I guess Sue Storm. Mm-hmm. Um, we have Joseph Quinn from Stranger Things. Mm-hmm. He was very popular from this he, last season of yeah, Stranger he, Things. He was the uh, the headbanger uh, uh, GM guy from uh, yeah. Stranger Things. Yeah. He, yeah. Kind of a breakout star of this last season. Yeah. Um, who will be playing uh, Johnny Storm. He's also going to be in the upcoming Quiet Place uh, prequel that comes out later this year. Um, and we have Moss, uh, no, Eben Moss Barak. Um, hopefully I say Backrack, but... Backrack. <laughs> <laughs> um, as Ben Grimm, the thing, who... Uh, and he comes from... Uh, he's kind of one of the breakout stars of the, the TV show The Bear uh, from uh, Hulu. And I gotta tell you, other than him... I'm pretty indifferent about this cast. Yeah, uh, the, the cast member that I'm not excited about is Pedro Pascal uh, for reasons cited yeah. last time. But I am encouraged. I think that the look of the uh, of the actors is uh, is great uh, for uh, the Fantastic Four. I just so I'm, I'm really excited about it. Here's the other reason I'm excited. They released a Valentine's Day image as well as a second image that was uh, like them in a Jetsons car. Mm-hmm. Now, when you look at the image, a couple things jump out at me. The thing is reading a Times issue from 1963. The suit that Ben Grimm is in is an Apollo, you know, basically an Apollo suit, mm-hmm. which again goes back to the 60s. The Jetsons car from the Jetsons image, the Jetsons came out in 1962, running in 1963. Uh, There are two or three other clues throughout the picture that indicate to me the Fantastic Four's origin is going to be in 1963. I suspect that they'll be in a they'll be tossed into the future like they'll be in another the negative zone and time will travel differently or they'll be dr- flying close to the speed of light and time will travel differently because I can't imagine they would keep them in the 60s. Right. But well, I've always said the best way to do Fantastic Four would be a period piece. And I am convinced their origin is going to be in 1963. Yeah, I think so, too. I, I think that uh, that we will have a, a mid six or an early to mid 60s uh, origin story, a beginning um, you know, per- perhaps one adventure in the 60s before they get thrown forward uh, to the current time. Because, you know, 
I think that the aesthetic of the Fantastic Four is deeply embedded in the 60s. And I think that allows uh, Marvel to tell that kind of story while, uh, uh, you know, keeping the the modern MCU intact and not having to, you know, tell a story like why no one's ever heard of the Fantastic Four. <laughs> right. Uh, so I, I'm, I'm excited about that. I, I, I think the the period part of it will will be uh, interesting and entertaining. Uh, I, I'm going to enjoy perhaps a fish out of water or fishes out of water story with the Fantastic Four, you know, bringing their, you know, 60s aesthetic to a 21st century Marvel Cinematic Universe. Uh, yeah, I, I entirely expect if they had an adventure, the government kept them secret. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I mean, I think e- easy peasy is, you know, they launched the rocket. And, you know, they, they launch from the 1960s and they land in the 21st century. I mean, that's the easiest thing to do. But I would be surprised if they didn't mine more out of the uh, 60s before they, they bring them forward. You know, kind of like a Cap, uh, Captain America, you know, origin story. So, but I'm, yeah. I'm excited. This is going to be fun. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know how, what my preference is. I, like I said, for me, the cast, I'm, I'm relatively lukewarm on. I don't like have I don't have a distaste for it other than the Pedro Pascal. I don't have an excitement for it. Mm-hmm. Um, other than the casting of the the actor, they got to play the thing because I I think he's dynamite in mm-hmm. uh, the bear. But you know, as far as the rest of it, like uh, Vanessa Kirby, she's fine in Mission. Now, Impossible. Did you say she was in the she was in earlier iterations of the Fantastic Four? Vanessa Kirby? No, she's in. Sorry, did I say Fantastic? She's in Mission Impossible. Thank you, because I was like, I don't think that's right. Sorry, if I said <laughs> Fantastic Four earlier in this podcast, I meant that she's in the more recent versions. Of Mission Impossible. Okay. <laughs> you did you did say Fantastic Four, okay. but I oh, I, I knew okay. what you meant. Well, dear listener, Mission Impossible is what I meant. Well, yeah. she has a great look for Sue Storm. She does. Uh, and I love all of the sort of vintage illustrations we're seeing right now. Uh, you can tell that the the audience is excited for this Marvel movie. So as much as the critics want to say that Marvel and superhero movies are done, guess again. Uh, yeah. I, I, this really stoked some flames. I, uh, I, there are a lot of po- folks really excited about this one. Well, that yeah. and the other thing that has really got people talking Marvel again was that Deadpool trailer during the Super Bowl. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That was so good. You know, it, it's, um, you know, speaking of superhero movies and superhero movie fatigue, you know, Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom, uh, finally is, you know, wrapping up its theatrical run. Which is and, amazing, by the way, that it's been in theaters this long. Yeah. Honestly, it didn't do terribly bad. Now, no, it, it didn't. It didn't make the billion dollars that um, that the original made, but mm-hmm. it made four. It, it ended its um, run at four hundred and thirty three million, which is the highest um, DCEU film since I believe Justice League. Well, um, Black that, Adam came pretty close. Black Adam came in around four hundred million and um, made that money without Warner's really promoting it like it should have. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, that 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 is what I think is uh, is telling is, you know, people want want to see uh, Jason Momoa as that character. And it's a shame that they're not going to get to see that again. Yeah. It's also a shame how much they invested in things like Shazam 2 and The Flash for those films to make half of what right. Aquaman and Black Adam made. Right. right? So it's right. Uh, it's interesting. Well, and Shazam 2 wasn't terrible. Yeah, I still it, haven't seen it. It was no, okay. I'm, it was better than the first Shazam. Yes, much better oh, really? than the first. I will say, I feel like Aquaman was better than the first Aquaman. 
Um, I have not seen the second Aquaman yet. I, it's coming to streaming soonish, though, I believe. Yeah, yeah I think you're right. So, yeah, yeah just I mean, interesting. So I think uh, I, I, I think this year, since the fact that, well, Madam Web is just Madam Web. Like, no one gives a shit, right? But, you know, <laughs> I, the, the I, thing the thing about the, the you know, what are they, the Sony movies? Yeah. Uh, nobody cares. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, it's true. Nobody cares about Venom, those movies. Didn't really I mean, care. Mobius, I didn't kill. I went and saw yeah, it, but didn't Everybody's really care. crapping on Madam Web, like, proof that superhero movies are done. I'm like, no, nobody cares about Sony. You yeah, know, the, and, the, and on top of that, even comic fans, you know, here's yeah. the thing. If you make a movie about Cyborg, it's going to bomb, too. You know why? Because uh-huh. even comic readers don't care. Right. So it's one of those things that it's you made a, a movie about about Madam Web and yeah. you're making a movie about about Craven oh, and Morbius. And, like, like those are niche characters. I haven't seen the Madam Web movie, but I've read a lot about it and I've watched a lot of like reviews and things. And most of the trailer was all from about a minute worth of footage in the movie itself, as well as the lines we get in it are just lines people wouldn't say. Just ridiculous exposition that do not flow off the tongue at all. The movie looks terrible. I am planning on seeing Madam Web in theaters. I just, you know, the impression I get is that it's just going to be a guilty pleasure kind of movie. I'll watch it on streaming. I I won't go to theaters. Yeah, I'll give it a shot on streaming. Like, I still haven't watched the Marvels, and I plan on it. But I know it didn't do well this year. Madam Web didn't do well. But I don't think that has anything to do with superhero fatigue. Well, and it doesn't have anything to do with female-led uh, superhero movies. It's got, you know, I, I think Madam Web is everything to do with the fact that nobody knows who that character is or cares about who that character is. Not only and, that, and, I never I, saw a trailer until after it was in theaters. Well, and I think that... that Folks have a sense that the real deal is the Marvel Cinematic Universe and the stuff that's adjacent that Sony does. Nobody cares about. And I mean, I, I, I fully believe that. I feel like there is no urgency to going to see those movies. Um, I mar the, the Marvel's. I fully believe was the, the, the poor performance of the Marvel's was a uh, aspect of Internet hate. Because uh, I really enjoyed the Marvels. I didn't think it, it was, was good. as good as the first movie, but I thought that it was very entertaining. I thought yeah. it was time well spent. Yeah, I have seen the post credit scenes now, both of mm-hmm. them, mm-hmm. like the mid and the post. And they are two of the best credit scenes that Marvel has done, I think. Yeah. I mid- loved both of them. Yeah, that mid credit scene was fantastic. Yeah, the post one was incredible, too. Well, wasn't that just the audio one? No, there's one with uh, Kamala Khan. Doing her basically doing a Samuel L. Jackson impersonation, trying to recruit Kate Bishop. Oh yes, 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 yes. I remember now. Yes, yeah, I loved that scene. And what was, I thought it was, was hilarious. Remind me what the mid credit scene was. Uh, that's when uh, Photon, uh, wa- uh, right. Captain Marvel, that's wakes right. Binary. up. Binary. Yeah, yeah, wakes up in the other universe. Yeah. Yep. Yep. No, I I thought it was I. I was very entertained by the Marvels. I don't understand why everybody dumped on it. Yeah, other than. After Other, see, go ahead. Ahead. <laughs> I was say after seeing that post credit scene of uh, Kamala Khan trying to recruit Kate Bishop, I'm even more excited to sit down and watch it because yeah. I really love that actress in that role. Mm-hmm. I think she embodies that character. She really brings out that fangirl aspect and that as well as the insecurities of the character. Yeah. 
Yeah, no, yeah. it's I, as I said when I saw it in the theaters, it's it's a good film. Uh, there's one part in it that I that, that I saw and I was like, mm, not sure you guys are gonna like that one scene. But overall, it was a it was a very good movie. Well, I thought it was a was a terrific and ingenious use of the flurkin. The the flurkin was great. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Please allow yourself to be eaten by the flurkin. <laughs> What did you think of the dancing, singing and dancing scene? Oh, I loved it. Okay. That's the yeah, one part I, I wasn't sure was going to uh, jive. No, I got a kick out of that. I okay. Got a, I, and you know why? Because Brie Larson, as much as I like her, tends to be rather one note in her yeah. portrayal of she's Captain very, Marvel. She's very stoic and quiet right. and yep, and grim. And so it was nice to see her, you know, show a different side of herself. You know, yeah. in that, you know, th- that you understand that it's character, not acting. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. Uh, it was great. I, I, I like the, I like the movie a lot and I think I will like it even more on the rewatch. I have been uh, rewatching the, the MCU movies. And uh, last week I finished up the three Iron Man movies and uh, now I'm working my way through the Thor movies. And, you know, I forgot how much I enjoyed the first Thor film. Um, and it was nice oh. to, to to revisit that when you know think when the storytelling was a lot simpler, you know. When Nat, yeah, when Natalie Portman keeps backing into him. Uh huh. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, and I and I I love how the Destroyer is depicted as almost. Uh, I mean, he's certainly not of the proportions, but he attacks. Uh, uh, the town very much like a, a kaiju would, right? I mean, he's just you know stomping through, blowing stuff up. Uh, so the movie's a lot of fun. Um, I am now slogging my way through Dark World. Oof, whew, it's a oof. hard movie. That is a whoof, whoof. <laughs> but yeah. I'm I'm enjoying my for the most part. I'm really enjoying my Marvel rewatch and you know really finding a lot of things that I'd forgotten how much I liked about them. Not that I had a dim view of the MCU. Just after you know a bazillion movies, it's hard to remember everything you've watched and what you enjoyed. Yeah. So what I've done a little rewatching on is the X Men cartoon, the last few episodes in preparation of X Men '97, mm-hmm. which should be out any time now. Uh, the trailer for that got me really excited. I mean, that was the X-Men era that I loved the most. Mm-hmm. I, I really I got into some of the older stuff afterwards, but the cartoon was really my introduction to the X-Men and what got me buying the comic books. So having that return is something that I just I am so excited about. Very good. Well, we're rewatching a lot of stuff. Uh we're not watching a lot of new stuff right now, I think. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm watching new stuff. I mean, I saw Argyle a few weeks ago. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah you I, to, I, I'm waiting for more episodes of The Bad Batch to come out because I want to binge it, not watch just the one episode. I did watch Next Goal Wins this week. Oh, how was that? That was Ooh, good. Yeah, I want to see that. Really enjoyed it. That. Yeah. You know, it had me at uh, Taika Waititi uh, directing it. So yeah, Michael Fassbender. I mean, there you yeah. go. Com- it, it, it's practically a comic book movie. That's right. It's Magneto. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, there's nothing metal in a soccer ball. That's right. Well, and that's that was why you know uh, they were able to defeat him for so long. You yeah, know. That, that's the and challenge then, of the he, movie. Then he formed up his X Men. You know, his Brotherhood of Evil Mut- Mutants to win the soccer game. God, I need to watch match. This. Yeah, I do. I saw the previews and wanted to see it. I didn't uh, then just fell off my radar, but uh, it looks good. It is. It's very entertaining. And I would say if you enjoy Kingsman, the movie, uh, you you probably there's a good chance you would enjoy uh, Argyle, the movie. It's by the same director. And although 
I don't think it's technically in the same universe as uh, Kingsman. There's a lot of adjacent, right? It is. And there's some references to the Kings. The reason I'm unsure is that there's some references to the Kingsman obliquely during Argyle. So you're kind of like, huh? But, you know, Mark Millar is not listed. I didn't see him listed in the credits anywhere. So yeah. I feel like it's got legally has to be separate. But uh, but no, I want to see good, it, but I'll I'll, I'll, I'll I'll see it streaming. Yeah, oh, I'll I, see I, that streaming. I did watch something new. Mm. I watched the animated uh, uh, Crisis on the Infinite Earths part one last night. Aaron, how, how could you it? not bring this I, up earlier in the podcast? I, yeah, I, I have a lead here. I, I haven't seen forgot. that yet. It's good. I liked it. Uh, it is. They kind of, you know, bury the lead a little bit because it really doesn't become infinite crisisy until like the the last third of the picture. You know, there's a whole nother adventure that happens at the beginning. But you know, it's got that new house style that DC yeah. Animated is using that I like so much. Uh, I, it, it looks, even though it's all computer generated, um, it looks very hand drawn, uh, and I, I, it has a it fights that issue that I've had with so many of the uh, animated features from both Marvel and DC that it really uses the space. You, you get a feeling that the characters are interacting with their space rather than feeling like they're on a color form play set. Um, I really, I, I, I dug it a lot and I'm looking forward to part two. So. I, um, you know, I've, I have seen very few films in that new DC animated universe. It started with, I think Superman, man of tomorrow, maybe. What's the name of that one? Um, yeah. Um, that, I've seen that one, and I saw Batman the Long Halloween, but I think that may be it. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't see any of the Green Lantern stuff or the Legion of Superheroes or, you know, I think there's been a few Justice League movies since then. Um, so yeah, like, I feel I've like watched, I've watched the Justice League stuff that's led up to it. What I have not watched is the Supergirl Legion of Superheroes stuff. Yeah. Um, and, and I, I believe it's on like... HBO Max or just Max. The the everything preceding it is uh, infinite crisis on the infinite earths has not yet landed on max. So okay, I, I paid for this twenty Whoa. bucks. No, Whoa. no, no, no. I I got it on Vudu for ten bucks. So oh, okay, ten bucks isn't bad. That's acceptable. Yeah, not at all. Not at all. And Vudu. <laughs> We're like, Whoa! In, hold on, hold on. <laughs> Vudu will eventually bake in the extras for it, so that that's why I usually do that. Oh, so. that is nice. Yeah. Yeah, I've got a lot of the uh, the predecessor movies in my uh, my HBO or my my Max watch list, so I'll get right. around to it. Yeah, but it was good. I do recommend it. I enjoyed okay. it. Well, you know, speaking of multiverses and DC, um, it was announced this week. Well, there's a couple of DC comics related news uh, items, mm. but I'm going to hit the big one first, and then we'll go to the other one. The big one is that DC and Marvel um, had the the previous DC and Marvel crossovers will be re-released in omnibus size editions uh, later this year. And so they'll include things like the entire Amalgamage, all of the, 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 the DC versus Marvel written by Ron Mars series, um, the Marvel versus DC um, sequel, all the one shots that came out of it, yeah. like Spider Boy and, and all that stuff will be released in one. And the other one will collect um Things like Batman Spawn, X Men New Teen Titans. Uh, not Batman Spawn, because Spawn's not Marvel. Oh, sorry. Batman Punisher. Batman, Batman, Batman Punisher. Yeah. The yeah, two ba- Batman Punishers Dark Side versus Galactus, Spider Man Batman, Green Lantern Silver Surfer, Superman Silver Surfer, Incredible Batman Hulk, Superman. Yeah. yeah. I There's am so excited much. about Teen Titans X Men. Yeah. You know, that has not 
ever been available digitally. Uh, and I'm really hoping they they make these omnibuses available digitally as well. You know, what's uh, interesting is neither of these collects JLA Avengers, though. That Well, and I think that's because they're going to do a, a, you know, they did that publication right after George Perez died. Right. You know, that was real limited, like, you know, 10,000 copies. Oh, that's something. right. We, we Did you yeah. get that? I did not. You could. No, I, it sold I, out. So it sold I, out. Yeah. Yeah. They you, there was a drawing for it uh, in, right. uh, oh, in every brick shop. and mortar around here. Yeah, yeah. that's right. Because it wasn't available. You had to you had to get it in print. And, you know, they were allocated. There's kind of like buying bourbon, for God's sake. Yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, so I'm hoping they do a re-release on that. Yeah, uh, I still have my original physical copies of it with uh, one issue of them is signed mm-hmm. by George Perez. Yeah, I've got my physical of everything that we're talking about, right? All those amalgam books, all the uh, the X-Men, Teen Titans, oh, wow. the Batman Punisher. I've got all of that stuff. Because I don't. I don't have any of it. I except can't for... bring myself to, to open them up because they're yeah. I mean, they're so old and fragile. And, I, I you know, they are dear to my heart. Uh, so I'm excited that I can at least get them in an omnibus collection. But Wayne, tell us. Tell us what a what a hit that's going to be on our wallets for those omnibus what, collections. What is oh. the low low price for this uh, omnibus? <laughs> low oh, low price, Wayne. It's going to be painful. I have never spent this much for one, and I'm debating on am I going to buy both because both of them both. are a hundred and thirty one dollars each. What? Amazon prices cover price yes. is a hundred and fifty dollars. Yeah. Yep. Oh my god. Um, that is the MSRP. Amazon discount hardcover for pre order. But here's the title the being released now. August sixth. Here's the oh good news. Are you ready for the good news? There's good news. If if enough people buy it, it'll drive the price down. Yeah. You know, we see that that, that that the prices will change on Amazon. So it might be $129. So there you go. <laughs> um, I can answer the question for, way, for myself. Right. I'm 100% buying both of them. Oh, yeah. Same. Same. Yeah, but, I, you know, this is such both, an expensive... This so is such expensive. an expensive year for, for omnibus collections because the ROM omnibus, which has never been collected, is coming out this year. It is similar, similarly priced at $130. Same thing with the Micronauts, which has never been collected in hardback before, and uh, also $130. So I mean, it's I crazy. That's $500 that I'm going to be spending just in four yeah, that's, I am that's just really my, hoping uh, they release this digitally because I'll be honest, I'm I'm buying. It's going on my shelf. It lo- will look incredible, but I don't enjoy reading books that are that big and thick. That's what she yeah. said. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, those are outside of my price range. I cannot uh, rationalize spending two hundred and sixty dollars on two omnibuses at this stage of my life. Yeah, I will definitely, without a doubt, be buying the DC versus Marvel Amalgam Age one. Because that one covers Marvel versus DC, all of the Malcolm books, and unlimited access. Uh, so I am hoping that one goes digital as well, because I would like to read it digitally and not a huge, heavy book. There is that, right? So I do think the omnibus editions are relatively inconvenient to read. I do hope that this does accompany, a you know, a, a digital release accompanies the physical release. Um, but because it's Amazon and it won't charge my card until they ship. I will go ahead and and pre-order these with the hope that they do go down in price. And if they announce a digital edition, frankly, then I'll just cancel my order and get it digitally. But I want these books. (laughs) Oh, if they get if they do digital, I I want these books on my shelf. 
So I am definitely buying the physical amalgam. And if they sell it digitally, I will buy it digitally as well, even if it is the same price, which will be really painful. But but I want to read it, but I want to have it as well. And uh, the other one, I have a lot of those in trade already, but I still want it. It's just. Yeah, the only trade I have is DC versus Marvel. The original four-part storyline, DC versus Marvel, I do have that trade paperback, but that is the only one I have. Oh, see, the the original DC versus Marvel here, the not the crossover, but the uh, the omnibus that has, I've got both of the Batman, Batman Punishers, I've got Silver Surfer Superman, I've got Green Lantern Silver Surfer, I have reprints of Spider-Man versus Superman the treasury edition yeah yeah i've got a bunch of these already but i don't have all of them and i've never read dark side versus galactus the hunger i i want to read that one that sounds interesting i have read that it's very good i'm looking forward to rereading all of them and just immersing myself in the art and just reminding yourself of how good comics were 30 years ago oh man <laughs> can't wait well you know people bitch about the 90s and i think the 90s were a terrific era for comic books you know, yeah, I, I, I mean, I know that there was a, a bunch of, you know, crazy stuff with, uh, you know, variant editions and whatnot and speculator market. But the storytelling in the 90s, it, I, I think is awesome. I love so much of what, what what happened in the 90s. Same here. I mean, I think there was a lot of passion out there. I mean, yes, there was a lot of collector's market out there, but like mm-hmm, the speculator right. market. But at the same time, there was a lot of passion and fun in comics um, yeah. in that time frame. And uh, yeah, I mean, we're going to talk about, you know, kind of a, a mixed bag of comics today. So we'll get to that here in a minute. But yeah, I'm looking very forward to it. Um, you know, DC Comics also announced this week at Comics Pro that the um, they will start re- releasing comics on Wednesday again instead of Tuesday. Yeah, which well, I, I'm kind of sad about. Same. I liked having that I, extra day to read my DC books. I'm happy about it because that's uh, you know I can only make one trip a week to a physical comic book store, so that's great. Love it. <laughs> well, I, I, I liked I, I you know to... when I was really excited about a DC book like Justice League versus Godzilla versus Kong. There was something fun about like that you know the DC releases being the only releases on Tuesday, so I could read those books that I was excited so you could, about. You Did could savor say... it. Yeah. Did they say why they uh, are are flipping back to Wednesdays? Not that I saw. Um, yeah, not that I saw. Probably, honestly, for what it's worth, it kind of feels like most comic shops didn't drop those books until Wednesday anyway. Yeah, I so think a I, lot of I think a lot of shops were not happy about the two days, uh, the the Tuesday and the Wednesday. Yeah, yeah so. and I I feel like they did it as a way to try to get over on the other publishers, and it didn't work. Yeah, and especially well, yeah. if you're if you're hurting your comic shops, then that's not going to. Um... Yeah, I will say it worked for me um, in that Tuesday mornings were spent looking just at DC books and spending because there were only DC books there. Uh, it it was me spending more time in that space versus everything comes out on the same day and you know I'm spending a little bit of time with each publisher versus. An entire, you know, time with uh, with DC. I just I think it, for me as a digital customer, it worked really well. Yeah. For me as a digital customer, I don't have to worry about it selling out on the shelves. Mm-hmm. Right. So I just would wait until Wednesday and only to have that one day a week that I looked at at yeah. it. And yeah. I had no reason to rush. Well, you know, all you, this news. Have... Go ahead. Andrew, sorry. 
it's going to be, you have to wait a little while. The, this realignment, this change won't happen until July 7th. Uh, no, sorry, July 3rd uh, will be when they shift back to doing Wednesdays. Yeah, so there's going to be a few more months of, of Tuesdays. And in the article I read, uh, it was just a vague reference to uh, that DC was responding to feedback from readers and retailers. So um, I, I just pretty much what you guys said is that I think they heard from probably their stores mostly that they were uh, irritated about having two separate days and new books probably. Yeah. And honestly, for what it's worth, I think to a certain extent, we, we've seen this lately in the direct market is that um, things that piss off comic store owners, for example, releasing your comics digitally on Tuesday so that pe- people and pirates can <laughs> read them the day before uh-huh. comic shops drop them um, probably just didn't land well. So, but I mean, it's, you know, the, the, the DC versus Marvel on the bus stuff also came out during, during comics where they announced a bunch of stuff. Um, during comics where they announced their their upcoming big summer crossover from Mark Wade and Dan Mora, which despite featuring Amanda Waller with a creative team like that, I'm very interested. Um, they announced the the upcoming release schedule for the re the restart of their Elseworlds titles, which kicks off back in uh, June. Um, I'm always excited about Elseworlds stuff. Yeah, there's some good uh, stuff there. Marvel has announced their next big crossover is back to X Men versus Vampires. Yeah. Which I'll give it a shot. I'll give it a shot, and I'll I'll be disappointed. <laughs> well, you know, in 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 speaking of disappointments, <laughs> you know, uh, last week we didn't we didn't release an episode last week um, because Aaron was not feeling well and he disappointed all of us. But <laughs> um, it, so we we did not get to talk about the big release last week, which is that Pete Tomasi one of the core creators of super sons, Damian Wayne and uh, Jonathan Kent um, has put, started a new book called the sinister sons with art by David LaFuente featuring the sons of general Zod and Sinestro. So Aaron. <laughs> a couple things. Uh, first off the general Zod book is baller. I really enjoyed the general Zod book, which is uh, which sets up general Zod's son being in this book. Because General Zod kicked him out of his house, right? Yeah, and I like his son in that book. Yeah, exactly. Um, and then you see this cover for Sinister Sons number one, and it is fantastic. Uh, this this cover is awesome. Uh, I was really eager to read this book, and it's garbage. Um, I, I I have nothing kind to say about this book. I cannot stand the way it's drawn. It's drawn very kiddy. Uh, appearing like I mean it looks like a Disney book in a lot of respects to me um, I the I found the writing impenetrable and I, I know a lot of that is fueled by the fact that I did not like any of the artwork I was looking at up to and including the dog with dick ears um, I just I really really hated this book well it feels like they want both characters to be Damian Wayne yeah they gave the personality of Damian Wayne to both of them uh-huh well, and I mean, Zod's son is so serious in the Zod book, right? And then you get here, and it's just ridiculous. There, I mean, it's we're playing it for laughs. I mean, there's the snot bubble coming out of his nose at one point. I mean, I'm just grossed out by the book. You know, it's two stinky boys, which I appreciate. I mean, because you know, boys are stinky, but it is. I just hated this book, and I really thought we were gonna see something a lot more interesting 
in the line of this as in the line of the Super Sons. I mean, I I cannot. This is dia, so diametrically opposed to how good uh, the Super Sons was, and this is so terrible in its execution. Yeah. Can I also say the name Sin Son is stupid? Uh huh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I um, so Paul. <laughs> I feel like here's the thing. It's Pete Tomasi, so I know he's good, but I'm I'm not sticking around to find out if it gets good. Um, yeah. I really did not care for this book, and the art didn't bother me as much as it did you, Aaron. I will mm-hmm. say, these a number of DC books lately have had this this similar art style. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and you know I've noticed it in in a few books, including Batman and Robin, where they've kind of got this very anime influence, but almost bordering on juvenile, yeah, um, leaning right. Yeah, Folly, it felt you know, more Spidey super story to me in the yeah. way that it was that it was illustrated. Well, and I don't know if the art would have bothered me as much if I hadn't read the Zod issue immediately before, right? And you have that character with completely different art style. Yeah, it's just definitely yeah. It, it didn't connect with me on any level, and I was disappointed at that because I I was actually looking forward to the book. Yeah, um, I really see. I, I did not feel like Super Sons was aimed at children, right? No, um, it I will say it felt all ages to me, but it didn't feel like it was aged. It was you know specifically targeted to juveniles, and I feel like this is. Uh, I would I I did not like this book at all. Yeah, no, but. Let's hear about your thoughts on the second issue of Ultimate Spider-Man from Jonathan Hickman, and uh, the um, art is by someone else, um, Mark, Marco Chiquetto. Um, so, you know, we we all, I think we all, loved the first issue. Mm-hmm. Absolutely loved the first issue. You know, and, 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 you know, the setup that it had for for an older Peter Parker in this universe, what do you guys think of Spider-Man, uh, Ultimate Spider-Man number two? I love this book. I think it's beautifully drawn. I think the story is excellently written. I love the the ongoing dialogue between uh, Ben Parker and J. Jonah Jameson. In fact, them taking a schwitz together was uh, was a great, what, three, four pages in the book? Oh, yeah. Four pages of uh, yeah. soda. Of, of them in the steam. It was great. Uh, I, I, I love that. I love how we're meeting a mature Spider-Man who is immature in his uh, superheroing. Mm-hmm. So he doesn't understand that the supervillain is lying to him twice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I love there's some aspects of it. I really love dealing with an adult version. Mm-hmm. He's not learning as quickly as a teenage version would. Right. He's not quite getting some of the movements right. He struggles with getting the landing right on it. And like you were saying, he's uh, interacting with the shocker and just being completely fooled by a sob story multiple times. Yeah, no, I, I, I dug it. I, I there, you know, there are so many things different about this Peter Parker, but his sense of humor remains present. His humanity remains remains present. Uh, I love the interaction between him and his kids, particularly him and his daughter. I, I think this is a great book. Yeah, I you don't know, like the costume, but I expect that to change in the next issue. Right. Yeah, I, I would say so, too. You know, it's interesting because this book does not feel like it's written by Jonathan Hickman. No. 
like Jonathan, don't get me wrong. I'm a huge Jonathan Hickman fan. We, we've talked, you know, we, we love Jonathan but it's Hickman more, on this podcast. It's more grounded than a Jonathan Hickman book typically is. Way more grounded and way more emotional. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I'm like, wow. Like this is, and, and you know, I had kind of the, the thought twice this week because I had it about this one. And I also read um, Wonder Woman, I should think, issue six. Um, and I skipped straight to the back matter because that's the Trinity story stuff that we talked right. about a few weeks ago. Right. And it, they just feel like they're written by entirely different you know, um, writers that because that one's Tom King, who's mm-hmm. writing, you know, kind of a heartfelt, you know, funny story. And this one, Jonathan Hickman writing just again, you know, the, the a lot of emotion and groundedness in this book. Um, and I'm I'm really digging that these writers are are stretching beyond what they're normally known for. Yeah. Well, and one of the things I loved in this is Kingpin, that yeah. he's he's using Spider-Man as a distraction from his own problems, you know, basically mm-hmm. having the newspaper print the stories about Spider-Man with Peter doing the pictures is something he can use to keep eyes off of his own issues. Yeah. Now, they did announce that later this year we would be getting um, a new version of the Ultimates. Uh, you know, uh, some, it's sometime this summer. I think it, the first shot or the first. Uh, yeah. June 5th is when we'll get this for um, this current ultimate universe incarnation of the ultimates which will feature characters uh from that ultimate universe number one book like uh you know young tony stark and dr doom and and those kinds of folks so i'm i'm really looking forward to that book com- um coming out as well i'm really digging yeah. this ultimate universe i know black panther we were kind of lukewarm on um because it felt a little too much like inspired by the movie but I'm, I'm hopeful for for almost all of this universe we'll see how x-men hits me yeah i'm yeah. looking forward to x-men in march to see what they do that preview cover for issue three of Ultimate Spider-Man with Kingpin and his diamond staff whooping on Spider-Man yeah. uh, looks fantastic. It does. I can't it really wait. does. Yeah. I'm, I'm, so when does that come out? Yeah, on sale in March. Yeah. I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. I like how they're setting up the change of Peter's costume and why. Mm-hmm. And the why makes perfect sense. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So yeah, it's, it's a terrific story. I'm enjoying it. Well, so. It was a, speaking of second issues, mm. Andrew has been waiting, waiting with beta breath, but I'm going to make him wait a little longer um, to talk <laughs> about Cobra switch, Commander Andrew. number two. Hate switch. <laughs> to, to talk about Cobra Commander number two from Skybound, because, gentlemen, I spent some time this week getting caught up on all six issues of Void Rivals. Why? But why? Oh. Well, you know, so for dear listener who who may not be familiar with the book, you know, Void Rivals is written by Robert Kirkman, you know, very popular sure. comic book writer, writer Robert Kirkman, also takes place in this Energon universe and is the book that kicked off this iteration of, of Transformers, which then kicked off, you know, GI, these G.I. Joe books. Correct. This Void Rivals book is really not good. Yeah, no. The, I, issues, know, I, the issues I read, there were only a couple of good pages, and they were the ones with Jetfire. Well, and I will say the thing, the the only good thing about Void Rivals, because it it is not a good book, it is not particularly original or interesting. Um, it does feature um cameos um from you know within the Transformers universe that are fun, but those are really the only good moments of of this book. Which Other than begs that, the I, question, why did you feel the need to get caught up on it? Well, because, I'm, you know, it's tied. Well, and, you know, because Is I it, was like, let me give it a shot. Well, loosely tied. It does yeah. feel like they're t- they're building up to something um, in Void Rivals. But, 
it's definitely nowhere near the quality of these other books. Um, and, you know, other, other than the fact that it, it's got some fun ties to the, the, the Transformers universe, like um, we talked a little bit about those judges from Transformers, the movie. I forget the name of that mm-hmm. race. The Quintessons. The Quintessons. Other than, you know, then them featuring that, the, the, you know, and then and, and, um, this like th- there's a side story with this like pig bounty hunter character uh, <laughs> and his interaction with them like that. That that part is, is pretty decent. But the main storyline really not really not jiving with me. So I have anyway, felt, I felt to no desire to read Void Rivals so far, and I feared that a I feared that a Paul when you're going to tell me I need to because it's going to play into something that it's needs to bound to, and that's or, part that's part of why I got caught up. Yeah. It felt like at some you can't have this book that says it's in the Energon universe and literally never connects. You can't. So it felt like oh, let me let me let me see what it's all about. I'm not digging it. To your I, I I'm out until they tell me I have to. <laughs> I have to hop back in for a crossover or something. So, so you're saying what I'm hearing is you're saying that Void Rivals is the Brussels sprouts of your dinner that your parents are going to make you eat so you can have the delicious, delicious, uh, you know, uh, blueberry pie and ice cream, which are, uh, you know, G.I. Joe and Transformers. Yeah, yeah, I would say so. And I feel like Cobra Commander is a bit more cherry pie because of all the red <laughs> on these pages. Oh, <laughs> I got to tell you, uh, you know, certainly this new G.I. Joe universe, both here and in Duke. A little bit bloodier, a little bit, a uh, little bit grittier, a little bit more uh, prone to showing some, some, you know, visceral violence on the page. Uh, but I love seeing, uh, you know, the dreadnoughts, or at least some of the dreadnoughts, show up in this, uh, this issue. Uh, so I, people. I that I have a feeling is going to be the question that I lead up to. So remember, I never watched GI Joe growing up. Right. I never read the comics. I have no connection to them whatsoever. So. I am assuming, and that was what I was going to ask, are these characters characters from the show? The yeah, Rick? the Dreadnoughts are. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Buzzer, Rip- Buzzer, Buzzer and Ripper are part of this uh, kind of uh, gang uh, of kind of Mad Max-esque people. You can tell by, like, the Thunder Machine with the Gatling guns on the, the hood. Uh, okay. Yeah, they, yeah they Honestly, the representation run. here is not terribly far from the original, other than the fact that it's more violent. Okay, yeah, I was wondering if these were people that were part of Cobra that just were fighting Cobra Commander. Eventually, no, they, you know, at least yeah. in the original universe, right? They were mercenaries that, that Cobra would often hire to do things for them. Um, and Their leader, we haven't seen in the book yet, a guy named Zartan. Uh, he was kind of a little bit more integrated into, into Cobra, but uh, they've all been affiliated with Cobra in the books. And, you know, Buzzer has always been equipped with a uh, with a chainsaw, uh, but you've never really seen, you know, on the pages of comic books or in the cartoons, the uh, the results of him using that in a, a very dramatic way like he did in this way. In, in this yeah, issue. it was a pretty visceral book. I would yeah, say. this was brutal. And then when you go into their cabin and see yeah. the dangling oh, yeah. human parts in the cabin. Yeah. So that that that's a little different. So Andrew, I don't know that we talked about this. Have, have we talked about Cobra Commander with you? Mm, I think we talked about it. Yeah, we talked about issue one together. We did. We did. Okay, I couldn't remember yeah. if you know your feelings on it being so closely tied to the Cobra Law. Yeah, I was um, okay with it. I, I I'm I'm okay with because this is you know it's a new uh, reboot reinvision. Yeah, we did talk about that. That's it. right. Yeah. yeah. I, 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 I honestly love this it. issue. I mean, I was—I will say—I was real. I was taken aback at the level of violence. I was unex—I was not expecting it. Um, 
but you know once you accept that you know this is this is you know definitely a different take similar take more violent and they even say in the um, the letters page because I, I actually like the I, I find the letters pages on on these books particularly enjoyable um yeah, they, they do talk about how for this book they really wanted to lean more into the horror genre um, yeah. to just to kind of make cobra commander a more serious character than they have in the past and we'll so make the bad yeah. guys make the bad guys scarier right yeah or of course evil. it also says as for our connection to void rivals what i can say is that robert is already cooking up something you won't see coming god <laughs> I won't Stop see it coming because I won't Stop be reading Void Rivals. <laughs> but I, 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 no, Cobra Commander, you know, the art is, I would Love say, the the, I would say I like it's probably my least favorite of the, oh. the, the books. Oh. No, okay. it's, I mean, of the three. Yeah. Right. I, yeah, it's, it's no. not that I dislike the art. I, I just find Duke better and I find Transformers best. Yeah. I would, I would agree with that uh, analysis. But, you know, I got to say, even speaking of the horror issue, like, because, you know, there, there's the part where the Guardian, with no chainsaw, just headbutts that, uh, what, Parks agent? <laughs> yes. And the Parks agent head just kind of explodes. Um, well, he's and super-powered. And then there was that flashback to when he was, uh, you know, in Cobra Law, uh, and, and she has that thing, the tentacled thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, what, what the hell was that? I don't know. I guess we'll find out. But, you know, not only that, the, uh, you know, Cobra Commander is basically bodyguard headbutts this guy, you know, smashes his face and simultaneously ripping both of his arms off. It took yeah. me a second to catch that that's what happened. Yeah. And I was like, oh, OK, that's uh, that's that's brutal. No chainsaw needed for that guy. Um, yeah, I was a bit disappointed we didn't see Megatron again, but I don't think he'll be in the rest of the. I think he's just going to have been a cameo in that first issue for a while. Yeah, I think they'll come back to him because I think that's that's why he's on this quest for the Energon, right? Is to yeah, true. Uh, I, I think they'll loop back. He's not going to be, I think, in the meat of the story, but I suspect in the final act he'll show back up. You know, I um I read the other day, and I should have, and I and I thought, and maybe I did know this, and I had forgotten because I'm enjoying them so much that both Duke and Cobra Commander are miniseries. Yeah, there were like, five, five, six issues. Yeah, yeah but, these are the origins leading into the future G.I. Joe and Cobra books. Yeah, I just don't I just don't want them to end. No, <laughs> I'm, I'm no. really enjoying and, them. But I have to say, I went ahead and looked at the the preview issue for Duke number three next week. And you definitely any listeners who, who are enjoying it, definitely make sure you pick it up digitally and physically, however you, you like to buy your comic books. But Duke number three was uh, fantastic. I can't wait to talk about it next yeah. week. And Transformers yeah, so number six came out. The only reason we're not talking about it is because it's great at Transformers number five is that it's great as usual. <laughs> yeah, it's vo- one of those books that uh, we've talked about it. We get press copies of these and I will read them the moment they come out. And then I will buy the copy when the copy actually releases as well. Uh, partially because they hold stuff back to. Yeah. And they, yeah, and they watermark the hell out of them. Yeah. So but I even that. I can't wait for the actual copies to come out. I need to read them the moment I possibly can because I just love this universe so much. I am planning on, I've not been buying them weekly, partially because they've been sold out when I've gone to look for them, but which is a good sign. But I'm planning on buying the trades uh, at the end of the, the miniseries run is uh, picking up the trades. Now, hey, Paul, is Void Rivals also a miniseries? You know, I don't know. Mm. Um because it's only on issue, what did I say, six. It's only on six. issue six. Yeah, I don't believe so. I believe it's an ongoing. Oh, I don't okay. see enough meat on the bone for it to last. Now, don't get me wrong. They could find threads that could make it last beyond, like, 12 issues. But at least with the main storyline, I don't see enough meat on the bone to go beyond 12. 
That's my personal opinion. But we'll see. All right. All right. So speaking of preview copies and, and press copies and things like that, um, you know, there is a new Zorro Man of the Dead book. Um, you can't get it on Comixology. It um, it came out through a Kickstarter. Um, from you know, it is written and drawn by Sean Gordon Murphy, the creator of the what is that Batman White Beyond the White, White Knight White Knight. Yeah. Um, but you know, it is available um, through. And I don't remember. It is available digitally online. Um, I don't recall the name. It's like some weird. Um, it's from it's from Massive Publishing. I don't know if that uh, yeah. tells you where to find online, yeah, think, but that's who puts it out. Yeah, I think it's a, yeah. So Massive Publishing, and there is a um, a digital comic company called Omnibus that you can uh, you can. It's like uh, Omnibus app. Um, app, and and that's where you can actually purchase the book. Now, I think these are just temporary solutions because it will be released as a graphic novel later. But it was launched through Kickstarter, and uh, so we the, the the second issue just came out this week. But I believe it's that this first volume is targeted for four issues, I believe, um, something like that. But we have read the first two issues. Well, some of us have read the first two issues. I think Aaron has only read the first so far. Correct. I got to say, uh, you know, I'm not, I did not read Batman white Knight or beyond the white Knight, but Sean Gordon Murphy, I, I find interesting. is both the writer and artist. And I, I find both the writing and the art to be very, uh, very good, very engaging. He, he is a beautiful storyteller. His, uh, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I loved that about white Knight. Uh, his, uh, his, illustration he 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 fully fleshes out the world you know very detailed backgrounds in fact there are some pages where the character work really kind of disappears in a good way into the backgrounds uh into the environment and i just really enjoy that he has a beautiful panel with uh one of our characters standing in her kitchen in the morning and i i was I, I was captivated by the intricate detail that he has on, you know, flowers, you know, on a shelf over the kitchen sink. You know, I mean, it's it's like he's been in this kitchen, right? Uh, he, yeah. he knows it so well. I just I deeply loved, you know, the the very, very intricate detailing on the page. And I you know, you know, it's a Sean Gordon Murphy book because of the cars, yeah, <laughs> you know when when it cuts to you know her uh, El Camino, her souped up El Camino, you're like, oh yeah, this is a Sean Gordon Murphy book, you know. <laughs> <laughs> um, I you know telling a Zorro story these days is hard, yeah, uh, because you know Zorro really does appropriately live in a certain time and place. Uh, that's you know really not he he's not conducive to telling stories today. Um, and I thought Sean Gordon Murphy did a great job tying both the history of the character and then making that jump to make him relevant today in a modern storytelling. Uh, I dug this story a lot. Um, I think you will enjoy issue. I know you're not on issue two yet. Yeah, I think will. you will enjoy yeah. issue two even more. Issue yeah, two is issue even was, better than issue one. This was yeah. a lot of fun. I, uh, I, I, it's gorgeous book. Terrific, terrific story being told. I like the take on, you know, uh, Zorro and Zorro's sister. I, I just, I, I dug this book a lot. I, I like, uh, I, I, I will say I have some struggles with it just because I love Zorro. 
mm-hmm. as a character. I love Zoro as a character. And, you know, from a positive standpoint, we've already talked about the art and the writing. It's very well done. I love the feel of this book and the character designs. I feel mm-hmm. like I'm reading Zoro as if it was directed by Robert Rodriguez. Right. Like, you know, this feels very much set in the Desperado universe. There's literally a character who looks like Danny Trejo. Oh, uh, um, named Trejo. <laughs> yeah, named yeah, Trejo. He's, he's yeah. named Trejo. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I think yeah. that's a pretty obvious. Uh, yeah, that's a pretty obvious reference. Oh my. Um, but I struggle with the fact that Don, that excuse me, that Zorro in this book is very much a Don Quixote. Right. I kind of like that. I, I, I know I'm, t- not, I'm torn I know on it because not... it's like I want Zorro to just be the hero. Just right. Just, just just give me the heroic Zorro versus. You know, oh, this guy's kind of a little left of center and, you know, he, he's a little kooky and he believes he's Zoro. In the modern day, though, you can't have someone sword fighting who's in their right mind against well, people yeah. with automatic weapons. Yeah. You don't do that if you're in your right mind. It doesn't make any yeah. sense. And I, I bought into it. Don't get me wrong. I bought into it. I quite enjoy the book. I just I found that it, it, it took me a moment to to grasp that that's that's the angle they're taking with this iteration of Zoro. And there's a lot of characters that I love, honestly, that have similar feels that are dated like that, like the Phantom and Tarzan. They're characters that are hard to tell in a modern day setting. Um, And so I I appreciate that they have found a way to do that. And I love, and I, I, you know, the Robert Rodriguez film, I love that because I love Robert Rodriguez. It does make me want to go back and, you know, watch the, uh, the uh, Robert Rodriguez uh, Zorro films. Yeah. Right. You know, I'm just like, oh, man, I need to go watch me a Zorro movie now. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 great. And Aaron, in the second issue, there there's a car chase. Um, oh, it's so good. It's so good. It's so good. And and then there, one of my favorite panels is at the very uh, first panel, I think, when, you know, Zorro's talking to his sister. And she's like, why the hell are you talking like that? Because <laughs> he's using the very kind of flowery Zorro. Right, right. Thing, right? I have uh, only one so complaint about this book. Yeah. And it is in the first couple of pages where their father is killed. And, you know, we, we see we we see the, the sword, you know, we, we see him being struck. But it's not clear in that scene that his throat's being cut, right? Yeah. And it's not until several panels later that you're like, oh, he, de- he did, you know, he's bled to death. I, I just wish that there had been a little bit more... Uh, it's been a little more graphic, a little more yeah, a little obvious. bit more graphic to to make it clear. You know, even just a scene with him grabbing his throat and the blood coming out over his fingers would have would have done the trick. But I mean, I shouldn't have had to to go back and go, oh oh, he's dead. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know? a little more. It could have been a little more Cobra Commander number two. Yeah, very much. <laughs> just, just just give me the gore. Just give it to me. Uh, <laughs> let's let me just say I don't know if this is in the. Um, digital copy or the print copy that's that are being sold but in our preview book we oh, get yeah. all the variant covers yes which i and love they are yes. gorgeous uh i'm yes. just publishers always include the variant covers in your digital copies it's not going to hurt you <laughs> you know yeah. uh, it, as as digital customers we don't care about your print paper your, your your print books uh give us the digital copy give us give us all that variant artwork that's so gorgeous Yes, yeah, so we're also not collecting them to resell in the future, so right. you're not you're not losing out any money. Yeah, uh, I just I well, and also it. on the back page and the of, of the digital copy of issue number two uh, is a ad for a Zorro Goliath coin, two sided display right. coin with stand for twenty one ninety nine, and mm. uh, you know the art with the side that has Zorro on uh, on the horse, uh, it's pretty it's pretty good looking. Yeah, hmm. for all so, those Zorro fans out there. 
So Zorro, Man of the Dead. Um, you know, check out massivepublishing.com if you want more information about it. Because it, it is it is I mean, I don't I don't even know if it's coming if it's in print. Um but there are a bunch of variant covers, so I've got to imagine there's some print edition out there. Yeah. Um, and but uh, you know it's not available through your standard comicsology, uh, but it is definitely worth the read. It's gorgeous. It really is. It really is. But hey, Paul. Yes, sir. What's coming out next week? Well, as Andrew mentioned, what's Duke number three comes mm. out from Skybound and Image Comics. Um, other than that, it's a relatively light week. We have the the latest issue of Avengers Twilight from Chip Zdarsky and Daniel Acuna, which is that uh, futuristic Captain America story. We have the conclusion of Gang War in Amazing Spider-Man number 44, even though I'm the only one reading that. Hmm. Yeah, so pretty, pretty light week next week. Well, very exciting. Well, hey, we want to know what you thought about this week's books, what you think about the fantastic forecasting, and maybe what you're buying next week. Give us a shout at ideologyofmadness at gmail.com. And if we use your comments on a future episode, you could win a coveted, valuable Ideology of Madness surprise. You can also hit us up on social media, IOMGeek on Facebook, Instagram, and X. Very exciting. Well, hey, guys. I'm eager to do this all over again next week when perhaps we'll have a uh, an announcement about the Frightful Five. <laughs> yeah. Either likely. that or maybe an announcement of Andrew doing a GoFundMe so he can afford these omnibuses. That's right. right. I like it. That's right. That's not a bad idea. I was just kind of Googling uh, selling your kidneys in Iran. Um, ah. That could possibly be lucrative enough to afford both omnibuses. So. There you go. <laughs> there you go. I'm, look, I'm looking into it. All right. Open a lemonade stand. (laughs) (laughs) Bye, Bye, guys. Bye. Podcast theme music graciously provided by Mark Andrew Pope. For more information, visit markandrewpope.com. Funny Books with Aaron and Polly is a production of ideologyofmadness.com. No Spider-Man clones were harmed in the production of this podcast.